It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 145. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. How's things in Denver, Gary? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good here. Um, nice fall day. And uh, how are things there? I understand you got some uh, some weather up there. Weather, weather, yeah. It, it's it's bizarre. We had this um, this new term I learned. It's a bomb cyclone or something like that. It's just ah. very bizarre. Apparently, there's a lot of high winds and water coming down over the ocean, which is great. But of course, it leaked over into our area. Um, uh, one of the things we'll be testing in today's podcast is my use of the software crisp.ai, which supposedly removes background noise. Um, and because I'll have some leaf blowers outside, there's lots of leaves and lots of blowers. Uh, it's interesting because I'm, I'm in the process of having uh, my office and some adjacent areas in the house remodeled, which means that they were taking everything apart. I'm actually sitting in a, in a small bedroom above. I think I may have mentioned this in a previous episode. Anyway, uh, so for anybody that's looking at Ask Leo videos, that's why there's a different background on the current videos because I'm in a completely different room. But the, um, the interesting thing was they were doing some serious, serious demolition there last week, I think it was. And I was on a, uh, fortunately, a social call over Zoom, but we were doing it with um, uh, you know, Zoom and I was doing it with Crisp Enabled. And there was a point during our, our little get together where I could not hear them over the noise, whereas they had no idea. I wasn't muted. Crisp was just doing that good of a job of removing all the background noise. So like I said, we'll, uh, we'll see how it turns out today. Yeah, you're sounding great right now, so. Um, yeah, there's no background noise right now, but, there's, um, um, but I, just, I just know it's coming. So, um, in news this week, say, did anything exciting happen in the Apple world this week? Well, yeah, last week, of course, <laughs> uh, new MacBooks, um, new MacBook Pros, as predicted. Matter of fact, it really was a, uh, an announcement where the rumors, even some of the more bizarre rumors, were exactly right. Interesting. Yeah, and, and some of those were last minute, you know, things. Usually, like a day before, you just hear somebody say something bizarre, like, there's going to be a notch in the top of the screen of the MacBook Pros. And everybody says, oh, yeah, whatever. And that ended up being completely true. Um, so they came out with new hardware. And now, like, all the MacBook Pros, all the MacBooks, in fact, use the new Apple Silicon, uh, you know, system on a chip architecture. So, you know, Intel is, you know, almost completely out the door now. Um, and it, it, it's interesting. It's a hardware redesign that you know i've been thinking about it and there are four important aspects to the redesign of the hardware and none of those are the actual shape which did change a little bit you know it is a slightly different shape to the edges of the macbook but i don't even consider that to be one of the major changes the four major changes really are the ports then one port in particular the power one then the notch at the uh, in the screen, um, that's a big thing, and the touch bar or the absence thereof. So, uh, just looking at the ports, Apple actually took a step back and went back to a very similar set of ports that they used years ago on the MacBook Pros, and kind of going you know, changing direction really on them because for a while now Apple's gone with this thing 
where they just put these USB-C ports on the Mac and that's it. That's all you get. On the current model, I've got the, the uh, M1 uh, from last year. It has two USB-C ports. On the model I have from five years ago, that has four USB-C ports. And the thing about the USB-C ports is they're Thunderbolt 3 or Thunderbolt 4, the newer ones, and USB 3 or 4. Um, and you can do anything you want with them. You can use them for power. You can use them for, you know, uh, plug a screen in, plug a drive in, plug an adapter in to get HDMI or an SD card reader or anything. They're like little card slots. And anything you want, you have your configuration. I could have a, a four-port uh, MacBook Pro that has, say, an SD card reader, a camera, a drive, and the power cord connected to it. And the person sitting next to me could have the same machine, but they have you know, a, a printer and a microphone and, you know, just completely different things connected to it. You know, uh, both of us using four ports in completely different ways. Right. Now the, they have, they went down to three ports. So three USB-C ports on these new machines and a bunch of additional ones, one being a dedicated HDMI port and one being a dedicated SD card reader. And a lot of people are really happy about this. Um, I'm not in particular, but I'm not upset by it either. It's whatever. Um, I'm of the opinion that, well, I'm never going to use either of those two ports um, or in the rare occasion that I did, I would, you know, just took up a device to it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I once carried around a, a, one of the older MacBook Pros that had an SD card slot in it. And I did not realize it had an SD card slot in it until after I actually stopped using it. It was like, a backup one. Um, I mean, I probably, when I bought it, I was like, you know, I realized it was in it, but I instantly forgot about it because I never right. used it. Right. Um, so, you know, just thinking about all those years I carried it around with an SD card reader in it that I didn't need. Um, HDMI also, for me, it's like, uh, you know, I'm never going to use that probably. And in the occasion that I did, I'm going to have to carry an HDMI cable with me. So might as well have one that, you know, ends in USB-C or has an adapter it's, on the end. It's interesting because um, back when I was carrying a MacBook Pro, and I don't even know the, the actual generation, it had both of those, right? The HDMI yeah. and, the, and the SD card. I actually found those both to be very useful. In particular, um, I really liked having a dedicated SD card reader. Um, mm -hmm. And that was mostly because, you know, I'm carrying a camera around all the time and I want to copy my pictures off as soon as I can, regardless of where I am. So sure, but not as many people do that. Right, anymore. I understand. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. But in, in my case, there's definitely a scenario. And and you've run into it, I'm sure, where we're out at a meeting or something and, you know, you want to project or you want to put something up on a screen. Yeah. Um, you're at a hotel. Um, you probably should have an HDMI cable, but it's also not that hard to sometimes bastardize the HDMI cable that actually is plugged into the TV in your room. Um, but yeah, that turned out to be turns out to be useful as well. And I kind of miss uh, I miss the SD card reader because none of my current laptops have it. And um, the HDMI port on my laptop, I absolutely have used. So yeah, it's interesting. Different different scenarios for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I kind of get the feeling that less than 100% of people will need those. Oh, sure, yeah, 100% of them will have it now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So but that's, that's true for feeling. almost any feature you can think of. It Not is. everybody uses absolutely everything. But a USB-C port, that's a USB and Thunderbolt port, you know, you could use for all sorts of different things. So if you're not using it for an SD card reader, 
Right. You can be using it for a microphone, for right. instance, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, it's not that bad considering that they really didn't remove any ports. You know, you've got those two plus the one I'm about to talk about, the power port, right. are all in addition to the three USB-C ports. So before right. you had four of those, right. most likely in most cases, people were using the one of those four for power. Yes. So by making power a separate port, you know, before you had three in it, you know, ports in addition to power. Now you have three ports and one of them does not have to be used for power. Although interestingly, it can be. I was going which, to ask if you yes, could still power it through the yes, USB-C port. According to the tech specs, it says it right there in the tech specs that you can, which is good because for me, I was like, oh, great. So it has what is a new MagSafe power port. Right. right. So it's magnetically connected like MacBooks had years ago. They're bringing it back. And I thought, oh, no. So I have this big power brick right. and I have to bring that everywhere I go else I can't charge it up. And no, apparently I don't. The trip I was just on, just on a week long trip. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't bring my MacBook Pro power port, um, uh, power block. I brought a all-in-one kind of uh, charger that's uh, got a couple of like USB-C and, yes. yeah, and a USB-A. Yep. I have those too. Yep. Yep. And it's not as powerful as the one that comes with it. Yep. So if I needed to work, you know, 10 hours a day, I might've been in trouble, but I don't have to work 10 hours a day. I actually, I don't think I ever used my MacBook while I was plugged in. I was on, you know, vacation. So I wasn't right. exactly not sitting at a desk. And I just, at night, I just plugged it into this low power, uh, you know, a converter mm -hmm. and it charged it up overnight, you know, even though it was lower than what it expects. I would be able to do that on these new ones as well without having to bring any kind of MagSafe equipment at what all. I, was, I would just plug it, it into the USB-C port. So are there, so in theory though, the power brick that comes with it yeah. charges faster. Yeah, one of them, the, if you get the big 16-inch with the max uh, processor in it, or maybe and maybe even the 14-inch with the max, that comes with a whole 96-watt charger. Right, um, but do yeah. so the old, char I mean, they've used to provide chargers then for the old USB-C only charging. Yeah. Um, would those charge more slowly? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the, the number of watts. Okay. It's, it's, and I have found with my current one and actually mm -hmm. the previous one too, um, I could plug almost anything into there. It'll trickle in. But right. I've plugged in an iPhone, an old iPhone charger. Right. And it's been, you know, it charged up the battery overnight. Yeah, I'm what, sure it took all eight hours to do it, but it did it. Did it. The, uh, my current laptop, um, which we'll be hearing more about later, um, it charges from either a dedicated power adapter, um, yeah. which in Dell's case is just a traditional barrel connector, um, or USB-C. But mm. um, like you, uh, in my case, in my trailer, I have one of those generic uh, power supplies. It's got like four connectors, two USB-A's yeah. and two USB-C's and that kind of stuff. And it charges more slowly. But my use case there is that I've got it plugged in all the time anyway. And it's plenty yeah. to keep it charged while it's in use. Yeah. And and for me, I mean, I, I didn't try to use it while I was plugged into that. I may have actually been losing power, but that's okay. I've got yeah. hours and hours and hours of power um, just on the battery itself. Yep. And then I, I know I can trickle charge into it and keep it going the whole vacation indefinitely right. if i want to um the other part of the magsafe adapter of course is the whole magnetic thing you know that you could trip yep. over the cable yep 
and not bring your laptop down, which is why people like it. But I think, I think actually the bigger selling point for it isn't that kind of disaster emergency situation. It's more that it's kind of nice to be able to click it in a place, not have to, you know, insert the, the USB-C connector perfectly into the slot. Right. Um, it's a, it's a much quicker connection. Usually when we're powering up our devices, that's like when we're least attentive to detail, you know, like last thing at night before you go to bed, you know, stick it on the nightstand and, you know, you just, you know, just want it to magnetically click in place. It's very right, nice right. To, to do. I'm curious to see if what's going, uh, what's going to happen as far as um, how people like it, because what happened in the past was Apple first came out with the MagSafe adapter and they ran with that for years. And the complaint was, well, it's proprietary. You know, I have to now get this proprietary adapter only from Apple, although third parties did come out with it. The third party ones were horrible. I had many of them. They didn't last. They didn't work. It was a really high failure rate. Um, so you have to get this expensive one from Apple. And why can't Apple just use standards? You know, um, so Apple went the other way and said, you want standards? I'll give you standards. Here you go. <laughs> USB-C charging, anything you want that's got power with the USB-C, plug it into any port you want. There you go. Can't get any more standard than that. And then people complained that they missed MagSafe. So now that they're back with MagSafe, I'm waiting to see the first comment where somebody says, why couldn't they do a standard? You know, we'll see. Um, it is interesting so far for what I've talked about, you know, things have been going backwards, back to having these additional uh, single purpose ports and back to MagSafe, right? After years are going away. And the third big design change is going backwards as well. And that's getting rid of the touch bar. And I never, I never, my impression was that the touch bar never was really all that popular. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think it's the kind of same thing when, you know, MagSafe was out. I didn't, I mean, I heard people that say they liked it, but I heard a lot of voices saying, I don't like it because it's proprietary. And then when USB-C, I hear people saying, I don't like it because it's not magnetic, you know, but you don't hear people going and say, I just want to chime in here to say, I'm just satisfied. Um, I think uh, it's the same thing with the touch bar. A lot of people, I think, did like the touch bar, and a lot of people didn't like the touch bar. Uh, I did see reactions, including from some of uh, you know my my people, saying, "What? Why did Apple get rid of the touch bar? It's wonderful." I thought everybody liked it. <laughs> you know, they just sim they simply liked it and assumed everybody else did. Right. Um, I think it was a neat piece of technology. I didn't get as much use out of it as some people, partially because I have a desktop and a laptop which means switching from one to the other all the time. Right. Only one had a touch bar. I couldn't get into the habit of using some of the touch bar things because it just wasn't always there. Sure. Um, but it's, it's definitely gone. They made, you know, in the announcement, they say it's something like our pros really, you know, need to have actual function keys. You know, like it's a pro feature to have like keys instead of a touch bar. I think when keys. they came, yes. yeah, when they, I think when they came out with the touch bar for the first time, they actually used the argument that our pros would like something better than you right. know physical keys and stuff. So I don't think there's any question uh, that they're getting rid of it. That this is it. There's not going to be any more uh, touch bar anywhere. Um, kind of ironic that they came out with an M1 Mac last year. You know the MacBook Pro, 
and it's got a touch bar and it's the low end machine now. So if you want a MacBook Pro, there are basically three models, 13 inch, 14 inch and 16 inch and 13 inch is by far the cheapest one mm. by far. And that one currently has the touch bar. Right. <laughs> and if you want to go to the more expensive 14 inch or 16 inch, those don't have touch bars. So it's kind of confusing right now. You know, in a year that will be taken care of and there'll be no touch bars anywhere. The MacBook Air already, you know, never had the touch bar, right. never on it. Right. Um, the touch ID key at the upper right stays on all of them. So that's like the one part of the touch bar that gets to stick around forever. Mm -hmm. The IMAX have them now. Um, but it is, it is interesting. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't get why people hated on it so much. Like if you're not going to use it, don't use it. Um, Apple uh, early haters talked about how they hated the escape key being not a physical key. And Apple actually backtracked that pretty quickly and made the escape key a physical key. And then the touch bar is the rest. Mm -hmm. um, I see it as being, you know, more versatile. I, I, I would have liked them to expand on it. I, I envision one day there being entire keyboards that are glass with keys that can then change to a, like a Final Cut Pro dashboard. Right. Or well, there, garage there band actually, or logic, you know. There actually are some pretty fancy programmable keyboards, yeah. at least in the Windows space or the PC space, that allow you to do pretty much exactly that. They're expensive as heck and they have, you know, lit up key tops and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, I was even thinking no key tops. I envision that as being a really cool futuristic thing sure. with haptics that make it feel like it's a real keyboard and everything. But um, but obviously for the time being, Apple is, uh, you know, has uh, is going to step completely away from the so what I'm kind of surprised doesn't exist, um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody will do it somewhere. Um, there's no reason you can't have a touch bar as a separate device. Um, yeah. so, so basically somewhere between uh, the touch bar embedded on your machine and that um, all glass haptic keyboard that you just envisioned um, might be a separate device. You plug it into your um, USB port and it is just, a row of key tops that you put wherever you want. That way you could use it wherever you, uh, you know, you could use it at both your, your desktop and your laptop or wherever. Um, it's not as convenient because obviously it's not just built into the machine, but it does seem like um, an interesting add-on that could leverage that same technology for those people that wanted it. Yeah, and there actually is one other place the touch bar appears, and that's if you use Sidecar. And Sidecar was introduced last year, and that's when you use your iPad as a second display for your mm -hmm. Mac. Mm -hmm. And one of the options there is to have the touch bar along the bottom. Oh, cool. And it's exactly the same functionality. Yep. It just kind of adds it in. So I, I don't know where Apple's going to go with this, if they'll get rid of it completely. I mean, they just added a bunch of stuff in the software to support the touch bar even more. So right. I, it's really weird. So those are all step back, steps back. Now, there is a fourth change uh, that has gotten a lot of attention. That is the notch. And, you know, so Apple, of course, has had for several years, the notch in the iPhone, uh, where there's a little, uh, well, notch in the center top of the screen where the camera is. Right. And now the Macs have it, at least these new MacBook Pros do. So first of all, a lot of people have to realize that what this really means, and I, I'm surprised Apple didn't push this more, was, is that the screen goes to the very top of the display. Um, except for where the camera is. Um, previously, you basically had an entire area at the top for all the way from the left to the right that had nothing. 
right. and the camera was in the middle of it. So if you like, you could say there was a notch that stretched the entire width of the display. Right. Now you've got a notch that only takes up the center of the display and you actually have screen to the left and right of it. It's kind of a glass half empty, half full kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, yes. Yeah, I mean, so there's people that are complaining that, you know, they hate the notch um, and, you know, they don't want it. I've even heard people say they won't be getting it because they don't like the idea of a notch. Uh, I mean, the alternative is what you have now, which is all notch. Right. <laughs> um, the, the Mac has a menu bar that going back, you know, all the way, you know, to the, to the 80s, right. stretch all the way across the top of the screen. So in a lot of cases, you're not using the center top of the screen for anything in a way. Yeah, all, they, all they had to do is make the menu notch aware. Yeah, exactly. And in a way, the Mac was built for a notch all the way from 1984 because um, you've got menu items uh, or menus to the left and menu bar buttons to the right. And technically, in a lot of situations, the center of your menu bar could already be something you're not using. Right. Um, the, they designed it so that when you're looking at media, like say you're going to watch a movie, right? it's actually going to be below the notch anyway. I was so, going to ask. So yeah. if you do like a full screen video or something like that, it actually resizes to be just yeah. below the... And for apps and, and things like that. So it basically becomes just like you had no screen at the top, like the older MacBook Pros had. Um, and the notch only helps out in the case when you, you know, need a menu bar or additional space, then you've got that taking up space uh, there with the notch um, in the center. I've had people very confused about why the notch has to be so big. They envision that, you know, can there just be a small circle right where the camera is? Mm -hmm. And that's the only place. But the problem is, if you look at, you know, the older and this current MacBook Pro, the screen is really thin, like the top part, super thin. Mm -hmm. And the camera isn't just a dot. It's there's actually some hardware there. Mm -hmm. There's no way to fit in that space, the camera hardware and the hardware required to actually display pixels on the screen, mm -hmm. which is why it has to take up space. It can't be a little hole on a phone. It can be a hole and probably eventually it will evolve to that. I think there might be some Android phones that do this already, but the phone has a thickness to it. Right. The top of the, you know, the MacBook case doesn't have. I was going to say it's, it's thinner than your phone for sure. Oh, yeah, by yeah, far. Yeah. So, so the problem is, yeah, you have to have a real notch there um, in order for it to, to happen. I see it to me. It's like, yeah. It, okay. More of the top of my MacBook will have actual screen on it than before. By far, it's not even half empty, half full. It's kind of, you know, either you could look at it as 20% empty or 80% full. Right. Or maybe right. it's like 10% empty, 90% full. You know, it's like you're getting a lot there at the top. You don't need to use it. It doesn't need to get in your way in a, in a lot of cases. Um, and and I've already seen, uh, you know, people doing some interesting things with it. I, I think it, I think it will, you know, the pushback will go away pretty quickly as people begin to use it. Sure. And nobody will really, really mind it. And they, you know, in a, in a couple of years, it's just going to be taken for granted that MacBooks will have a notch there at the top. Yep. Yep. I, I don't see the problem with it either. I, I have my questions are all about, like I was saying earlier, you know, what happens to a full screen app? I'm curious what resolution um, the system reports under what conditions, uh, mm -hmm. because depending on what you're doing, the resolution either does or doesn't include the area taken up by the notch. It does. It, um, it, well, if it's like the phone, the phones, 
that screen is actually there. It's rendered somewhere in memory. Like right. I can do a screen capture of my phone and the notch isn't there in the screen capture, including while I'm developing, if I put something in my app under where that notch is mm -hmm. and I right. do a screen capture, it's there. Right, but, but like, I was, like I was asking earlier, right? If you're playing a video and it goes yeah. full screen, they know enough to pull it down below the notch. Sure. Now, did they do that by how did, I mean, so that app, that video player mm -hmm. has to know a resolution. Is yeah. it the resolution of the area that it's being used or is it the resolution of the physical yeah. screen? And it just somehow knows that it's not, you know, it's just, there's opportunities for confusion here. I, I'm, you know, confident they've got it knocked out. I just don't, I'm just curious as to, to under what conditions they report what. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward ways to deal with that in different situations. I mean, if you're developing your own app, then probably you have to think about those things. Sure. Um, sure. But most people are just going to put the, you know, that'll just be the space for the menu bar. Right. Yep. And, uh, and they won't even you know worry too much about it. So it's exciting. I wish I was, I could get one of these. I mean, in addition to the design you? elements, it's why the, can't you, what was that? Why can't you? Well, I, I guess because I don't need one. Oh, <laughs> why has that rocking, ever stopped us? Come on. <laughs> I'm still rocking my, my big, super expensive Mac pro. <laughs> um, that's just way too expensive for me to, you know, ignore. Um, and I have a Mac, the, the MacBook pro from last year, right. which is my ideal machine, the low end one, because it's just my portable sidekick, my buddy mm -hmm. it goes everywhere with me. The powerhouse is under my desk. Um, I'd have to go back to, I think pre 2007 was the last time that I did the like high end laptop hooked into screens and other devices on my oh, desktop right. as my main right. machine. I mean, and I'm tempted to do that. I mean, it would be like, you know, looking at the, um, the, the 16 inch with the M one max processor in it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. saying that I could, I mean, that's definitely going to be more powerful than my Mac pro. I could get one of those, uh, hook it in and use it as my one and only Mac, mm -hmm. uh, be a pain to be carrying around with me. Cause it'll be, much heavier, probably twice the weight of the one I have now. Um, but it would be powerful enough to do everything that I do by far. Um, but I'll wait. I'll wait until um, they have, uh, you know, the new Mac Pro is probably what I'll end up I was getting. Say, the, new, the Mac Pro is probably what you're going to end up waiting for and using when it comes out, just because it'll probably blow yeah. the pants off of this thing too. So. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, it's, they have, you know, now they have a trio of processors. They have the M1, the M1 Pro, and the M1 Max. And, you know, this is the interesting direction they went in because it's essentially the same chip, but with different numbers of CPUs and GPUs on it. Right. So instead of saying, here's an M2, and this is the next generation, they're saying, here are larger versions of the current generation, you know, with more cores in them. Right. And that's kind of a, that's an interesting, I mean, there's more, a little more to it than that, but they are grouping these three together as, you know, low, low end, medium and high end. Um, even if you get the high end, you not only get a low power mode, uh, which is a, a new thing in Mac OS Monterey, you actually have a high performance mode. Right. You, you can, you could stick it in overdrive kind of, um, and use more power, but uh, get more performance from it. Um, so that's kind of an, an interesting thing. I can't wait to get to the Apple store to actually uh, try one of these, although I don't know what 
exactly I would expect to find because the high end stuff, you really need to, you know, sit down and be like, oh, I want to render some video or right. yep. work yep. in, you know, let me, let me try to lay, you know, 30 tracks in the logic and see how it goes. Not the kind of thing you can do just, you know, within five minutes at the Apple store. Right. Right. So cool. Yeah. It does it. I mean, it, they looked like impressive machines. Um, I, I was, it was good to see. Um, the one thing I'm surprised you didn't mention was apparently the highlight of the, of the reveal. Um, apparently there's a cloth. <laughs> well, I don't think that was even mentioned in the actual presentation. Oh. Um, they came out with a, a $19 screen cleaning cloth. Um, and, uh, it got exactly the reaction that you would think you could have predicted this beforehand. <laughs> Number one, you had a bunch of people saying, Apple wants to charge you $19 for a cloth or right? $2 cloth. Yep. Like, like you couldn't, <laughs> like you couldn't find a $19 cloth on, you know, somewhere. I mean, I'm not, not saying there weren't $2 cloths, but believe me, you could find high end cloths before. Right. But Apple wants to charge you $19 for a cloth. Um, and then the next news item being they're sold out. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, but I, I'm not surprised because first of all, I mean, if you're buying a $3,500, um, macbook pro m1 max machine you know 16 inch right and they're offering a 19 dollars cloth okay sure hit the, hit the checkbox what the heck why, why, why not <laughs> second thing is is that i have gotten many times people asking me questions about taking care of their machines mm -hmm. saying that I, I don't care what it costs i want to make sure i get the right things to clean my machine properly mm -hmm. what do you recommend and it's hard for me to recommend stuff. It's like, I haven't tried that many things. But now that Apple has, you know, not only, you know, they, in the past, they've come out with their recommendations. Here they've come out with the, here's the proper cloth that we've designed to clean your MacBook Pro screen with. Um, the, I, of course, those people, that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted Apple to say, here is the perfect product to clean your screen with. And there are a lot of people that love to take care of their stuff. You're not telling me that people with nice cars aren't spending way more than $19 on products <laughs> that will like clean their, not even their, like, not, not even the outside of the car, but like the dash. Oh, here's my thing that cleans the dashboard. Here's the clean that things, yeah, the thing that cleans the tires, right? Yeah. There's tons of people that want to, you know, get a high-end product. That's exactly what is needed. And this if is that's not you, buy a $2 microfiber cloth and use that. My suspicion though, and I think everybody's skepticism on this particular item is that it is in fact a $2 microfiber cloth masquerading <laughs> as a $19 Apple recommendation. So <laughs> whatever. I, I don't know, they sold out. So it cracks can't. me up that they sold out that quickly. Yes, I thought that was, that was also, as you say, quite predictable. I mean, yeah, you and I are businessmen. If there was some sort of product we could sell for $19 and sell out and we just decided not to do it, that would be, I mean, of course, why wouldn't Apple do it? And, you know, I could now if it didn't sell out or something like that, or it had lackluster sales, mm -hmm. then you can go criticize Apple for, ha, how ridiculous, $19, nobody wants that. Well, apparently everybody does. That. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I was on the verge um, of, of, I mean, I was really looking seriously at the, uh, the new laptops from Apple this week mostly because of frustrations with my own. Unfortunately, uh, I run into this situation where I need to be able to run some um, x86 software on any laptop that I have. 
right. or any laptop I want to be portable. So I'm kind of out of luck. Um, you know, I could certainly run the ARM version of Windows 10 or Windows 11 in parallels on one of these new Macs, and I'm sure it would be impressive. But the software that I need, um, inter oh. interestingly enough, it's like radio programming software uh, for my ham and other radios. Um, it's just, it's, it's a non-starter. So I was disappointed yeah. with that. I said, oh, they look so nice. But um, the reason that um, I was uh, lusting after it more than I would have been otherwise is my continued saga and story of my um, Dell laptop, my Latitude. And mm -hmm. in all honesty, it's not, I don't believe it's Dell's fault, but so you may remember a couple of weeks ago, I had mentioned that I thought, in fact, I think I listed it as our, ain't it cool, uh, that I could replace the battery in my Dell. And the reason I was replacing the battery in my Dell is I was under the impression that the old battery was dying because, uh, well, you know, what do you think when, you know, you pull the, you disconnect the power and the machine immediately shuts down. What's your go-to, you know, problem? Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. probably the battery, the battery, yeah. it's, you know, I've used the battery. I misuse batteries in the sense that um, I leave the laptop plugged in almost all the time. So I know that I'm hard on batteries that way. Um, so my assumption was, yeah, yep, sure. Time to replace the battery. And I did, and I ordered up an OEM battery and um, I'm sorry, not an OEM battery. It's a third party battery. And, you know, I pulled the case off with, you know, a gazillion little screws and replaced the battery, put it all back together and, uh, you know, let it charge up for a little bit, ran it for a while, pulled the power, poof, it was off. It shut down yeah. immediately, um, which was frustrating to say the least. Uh, I then, uh, you know, started looking at solutions, you know, looking as one does, looking at other people that have experienced similar problems. And one of the common threads was, well, there were two common threads, right? One is the battery's got a problem. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, okay, yeah, I suppose that could be a ca the case. Uh, I hadn't yet determined that, um, well, I hadn't yet arrived at what I think is my final conclusion, but um, I said, okay, yep, that could be the problem. Uh, it's also, it's a third party battery, not a Dell battery, not an OEM battery. Um, there were some driver recommendations that, you know, make sure your drivers are up to date, yada, 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 which of course I do. And I did and had no effect. So I said, oh, sure. I'll roll the dice and I will order up um, another battery that is actually a Dell battery and swap that out. See if that makes a difference. Uh -huh. You can probably guess since I'm bringing it up today that it did not. Um, the exact mm. same thing started to happen. And I started to dive a little bit deeper into some of the suggested or recommended solutions to this problem when it happens. They involve things like um, changing registry settings, finding power settings that are no longer exposed in the Windows 10 or Windows 11 UI. Um, by the way, installing Windows 11 was one of the straws that I grasped at, um, made no difference. Mm. Um, I was hoping that a clean, clean install of a new operating system would, would do the trick. Um, Windows 11 is fine, by the way. It works just fine on this machine. All my apps are still there and so forth, but it still shuts down when I pull the power. Um, and that, you know, even after all of these random things for other people that have uh, been experiencing similar problems. And ultimately, that's where I'm at. The realization that I came to, I think just yesterday, um, is that, you know, it may not have been the battery. 
In other words, the shutting down that I was experiencing before this all started may very well have been not the battery being bad or being low on power, but actually this very symptom was there all along. It doesn't matter what battery I put in there, Windows is shutting down very quickly after the power is removed. And like I said, there are folks that have reported similar things and they've tried various solutions and for some it works and for me it doesn't. Here's the interesting thing and the reason that I can point the finger very, very squarely at Windows. Uh, last night, I downloaded uh, a copy of Ubuntu Linux. Okay installed it on a, on a, a USB uh, there, uh, these Linux distributions, this one at least, you have your choice. You, as long as you can boot from the USB, which I did, mm -hmm. you can simply run Linux without installing it, or of course you can install it. And I said, you know what, let's just see if what happens. Um, I fire, I just ran it from the USB. I, uh, let's see, what did I do? I turned off all the power saving options and uh, basically turned on a screensaver so that it was just rotating through a bunch of my pictures that it was picking up off, uh, off the internet. And I pulled the power. And it ran for a good three or four hours before the battery died. And this time the battery died because the battery was well and truly empty. Mm. So Linux works, Windows doesn't. Mm. And mm. I have, I'm, I'm stumped on the Windows side. I really am. Uh, this may be one of those things where I'm just not going to fix it, at least not this way. What my uh, next uh, solution will be to try is to actually install Ubuntu Linux on this machine. I've got a separate partition set aside for it. I'll probably start out with a dual boot. Uh, and then uh, you, instead of uh, running as I do, for example, on my other machines, I run Windows and then run Linux if I need it in a virtual machine. I may do the reverse. I may fire up uh, a virtual machine. I may run Linux, fire up a virtual machine that then run, win, runs Windows and make sure that that copy of Windows in the virtual machine can access the USB ports correctly so that I can still use my radio programming software. The, um, however, nothing in life is ever simple. Uh, especially not when it comes to uh, computers and technology. So I said, you know what? I've got this partition. It's empty. It's ready to go. I repartitioned the, the hard drive specifically to be able to do this. Um, I went ahead and I hit the install button on Ubuntu Linux and it churned and it churned. And it basically said, you know what? You're running a Dell and your Dell is running Intel's rapid store technology. We don't understand that. Uh, it's essentially some kind of under the hood RAID-like technology. Um, however, uh, here's a link to a page, rather lengthy page, with a set of instructions on how to convert it from uh, this rapid store technology to the more uh, standard AHCI, I think it is, um, the, the SATA equivalent. But beware, this may erase any pre-existing software on the machine, uh, which is not exactly what I was uh, hoping for. Yeah. So uh, the, the upshot is sometime in the next few days, I may very well take that plunge. I've already taken a full image backup of the machine. 
and see if I can go there, see if I can install Linux and have that be the solution to my problem so that my battery will last. It shouldn't have to be this hard, but apparently it is. Between either Windows or um, my suspicion is that it's a Dell specific issue, probably a Dell driver issue. Um, I, I just, I have, I'm, I've run out of solutions. I've run out of things to try. So I'm getting bigger, progressively bigger and bigger hammers to, uh, to whack at the problem. And for a while, the hammer that looked like a brand new MacBook Pro was looking kind of shiny. <laughs> uh, but like I said, that's not one of the options to actually solve the problem that I'm at. Um, the other solution that actually caused me to ask my, uh, my tax guy, do I want my expenses in this year or next year, uh, was to actually replace the laptop, probably yeah. with, with something else. But because I need a laptop that'll run on battery for a while, specifically for that radio stuff. Um, but it's just, you know, so for everyone out there who has these random problems with their computers and you think it's just you, trust me, it's not. It happens yeah. to us all at one point oh, sure. or another. Um, and it's just what I, I know you and I have done this long enough that sure, it's frustrating, but it's also in a sense, par for the course. We know that this kind of stuff happens. Uh, so I, you know, in my case, I kind of roll with it. I've got solutions, I've got workarounds, I've got plans, um, but I definitely understand and sympathize with people uh, who may not be in the same situation that you and I are, who are facing these things and still trying to get work done. And it is worth, you know, noting that we do have these problems. I mean, I, I've never been able to get the unlock with Apple Watch thing to work well. <laughs> on my right and it's one of the as a matter of fact i was hoping with mac os monterey coming out that you know I, I get it to work for like a day and then it stops and then the only solution is turn it off for a while like weeks and then wow. try it again and then it'll work for a day i don't know if it's an issue with the mac my you know the mac pro uh you know most people probably using it with an imac or a macbook or something I don't know what it is. It's one of those cool things that, you know, I wish it worked. I, it just doesn't work for me. It'll work for a day. And yeah, never been able to figure it out. Why? Yep. And this has gone on for years. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it's not, so I'm not sitting here, you know, both of us, we're not sitting there saying everything works perfectly for us all the time. I don't know oh, what no. sort of problem you're having. We have problems too. Yep. Yep. Very much so. Um, yeah, if anything, the number of problems we end up having gives us the skill set to uh, help out everybody else with their problems because we have so much experience beating our head against problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. So, what's cool this week? Speaking of Apple, um, yeah. I, because I uh, actually, it's because I bought that um, M1 uh, MacBook Air uh, last mm -hmm. year or late or early this year for my wife. We have the uh, one year of Apple TV mm -hmm. and uh, we started using it. And in fact, we're using it now to the point where darn it, when it comes time to subscribe, I probably will pay them money, more money. Mm -hmm. um, what's got me going right now is foundation. I uh, forget if you've been watching that or not. Yes, definitely. Okay, I, I started foundation uh, last week. Uh, we're caught up to where they are right now. Mm -hmm. And I have been pleasantly surprised. Um, it is definitely not, uh, you know, an action film in a lot of ways, an action mm -hmm. series, 
but neither is it dry and just cerebral. It's just a nicely paced story with a lot of really interesting stuff. Where I fail is it has been so long, mm. like possibly 40, maybe 50 years <laughs> since I read the book that I am unable to draw any comparisons to the book. Uh, yes. I, I need to reread the book and I probably will after the series is over. I, I reread the, the first three books, mm -hmm. the original trilogy earlier this year okay. in preparation for this. Mm -hmm. So, I, and I don't know, I mean, I, I feel like I almost should have reread it like more recently, like last month or something, right. or I should have not reread it at all because now I find it was just long enough ago that when I see something in the show, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that was that the same? No, that's a little different. I now I can't remember how it is in the books. Right. You know, obviously uh, they're definitely compressing time. Oh, they the, have to. the first yeah. book in the Foundation series is basically a series of short stories that you know he wrote for magazines, mm -hmm. and you basically, I guess, started it off and then had just a bunch of short stories that jump forward in time about one generation for each story, and they're kind of combining the first feels like the first three short stories there is a generation jump in you know uh the story already but they keep going back and forth mm -hmm. um, but they're combining those and they've made some changes uh, a change that i really like is the fact that there are women <laughs> because in the first foundation <laughs> book there's i don't think there's a single quoted word spoken by a female character uh, being like 1952 science fiction right um he does crack that in a big way in the middle of foundation, the second book right he, he introduces arguably the main character you know main character of the series uh, as a female character but in this you know that would happen well into the future already right. here he's actually used the same names for two characters but made them female characters because they are kind of science fictiony you sure. know salvor harden you know is that sure. male or female well right. guess what it's female name now and i think that's great that you know that was the obvious thing that needed to be done and there was nothing in that first book that made those roles i think you know th that it needed to be of that particular um, right sex so so yeah easy to do uh balance the cast out um the whole thing with the emperor being clones and having you know mm -hmm. uh three different ages that's not in foundation but it is an interesting addition and sure. very on brand for Asimov, you know, yes. um, felt very, you know, like I wouldn't be surprised almost if that's borrowed from something else he wrote. Uh, but uh, yeah. And, you know, and they've kept the kind of this, the feel of it being far into the future, but also feeling very Roman empire like, yes, you know, yes. things in a way culturally regressed back a few thousand years. Mm -hmm. while also moving forward a few thousand years so it has a lot of that good interesting uh feel to it creating a nice big drama and turning it into almost very game of thrones science fiction thing <laughs> it definitely has that feel absolutely there's yeah. there's enough um, there's not as many plot lines but there are several um plot lines that they're following several sets of characters that they're following um, I'm just finding, and visually, it's very interesting. It has a very good, consistent tone and feel across the whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, they're doing a good job of revealing things 
periodically, which yeah. um, I find always find interesting. It's one way to to keep interest in a, in a program like this. So anyway, I just thought I am impressed with it. I am more impressed than I thought I would be because I expected, I mean, I knew that foundation was going to be very difficult to uh, to implement this way, to show this way, but they're doing a good job with it. I'm quite pleased. Um, and as a side note, uh, Dune falls into that same category where that's an incredibly difficult story to tell on screen. And apparently from all the reviews that I've seen so far, it's being done really well. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing that yeah, one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. That one I may actually uh, venture out into a, uh, into a theater. I might, I might too. Um... I probably would have mentioned foundation if you didn't get to it first. Uh, oh. But uh, I guess I did just finish watching, you know, the, the series American Horror Story. The current season, season 10, just wrapped up. And it actually was a two-parter. They, okay. they had the first six episodes were one story. And the last four episodes were another story. And the last four episodes actually, you know, they have different themes. You know, there's the haunted house or haunted hotel or vampires or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. They go into these different things, witches. And, and the, this mini season, this four episodes, you know, last four episodes here started out being alien abduction and trying to build a story around that, a horror story around that. Mm -hmm. But it ended up actually being more old school conspiracy theory with alien abduction being the main one you know so it had that you know aliens oh you know roswell all that kind of thing right. area 51 but then it started to actually go all in on all of the old school conspiracy theories jfk's assassination marilyn monroe watergate deep throat the moon landing all of the old conspiracy theories lizard people all right into like this one thing so i i would have started off thinking the series was uh alien abduction horror but it's actually old-fashioned conspiracy theory horror which is funny because it's something i've been thinking about recently is up until a few years ago um there was kind of this canon of old conspiracy theories you know where you know there'd be things like uh moon landing or right. uh jfk's assassination was you know some sort of conspiracy and the you know when you said conspiracy theories and even you cast somebody in a TV show that's the conspiracy theory nut, you know, these were the things that they talked about. Right. And then all of a sudden, a few years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, we started with a whole fresh round of new conspiracy theories. And now it totally changes the landscape. Like any book you had that was like the complete guide to conspiracy theories suddenly became outdated. Needs, needs a new chapter or four. Yeah, it needs, yes. it needs a whole new <laughs> like volume two. <laughs> But it is interesting to see them go and, and basically stick with the old conspiracy theories and build a horror story around them and and uh, and made me think about um, how it's it's kind of funny if you if you follow the conspiracy theories as entertainment, um, you uh, they're definitely uh, they're definitely the, now the old school, uh, the OG conspiracy theories <laughs> and the and the new conspiracy the 21st century conspiracy theories that we're, yeah. we're dealing with yeah so anyway cool. i've never i've never gotten into american horror story i think we watched like the first episode or two of the first season yeah. and it just never it never stuck for us I, yeah good well there's there's just one of the things we're struggling with now goes all the way back to hours in the day there's mm. a lot of really good stuff on um, on TV, where by TV, I mean mostly streaming these days. 
Um, and it's, it's sometimes difficult to pick and choose which ones are gonna make the cut. Uh, you know, American Horror Story, I mean, it's, it's won awards, it's had some, um, some really interesting stars in it, guest stars or, you know, uh, celebrities taking on major roles. I'm thinking of Lady Gaga, one of, uh, one of the- Oh singers. yeah, she, yeah. She... Um, you know, all the kind of stuff that would, yeah, that would normally attract us, but it just, it didn't quite make the cut for us, so. It is, it does push the limits, um, really. Sometimes it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. It really pushes the limits. I do like though, how they re reuse cast members. I mean, there are, there are actors that have been in almost every season. Right, even though and it's a completely play, different story each time. Playing right? different roles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love that kind of thing. I do too. Uh, whether it's Black Adder or you know, something like this, you know, the idea of putting the same people in different roles. Uh, right. And like, this is our cast for the show, but the show changes. And then we just, you know, roll these actors into it. Like it's some Why sort of Women button. Kill is another series. They've had, I think, two or three seasons where it's not the entire cast, but there are definitely cast members that appeared in multiple seasons mm. in different roles. Same idea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, I like, I, I, I enjoy that, especially when they're cast members that I, uh, that I happen to enjoy watching. Mm. All righty, the closest thing we ever get to an ad, of course, is blatant self-promotion. Today, I am going to point everybody at if I had to do it over. It's askleo.com slash 21960. Um, some, it's a republish or an update of an article I wrote some years ago when I was feeling particularly reflective. Uh, and it happened to come up again because I read somewhere else, somebody else was musing on, you know, you, you, uh, it, if you had to do it over, do you, you spend a lot of time wishing you had done things differently? What's the point? Yada, yada. Uh, mine is a little bit more focused. And I think a lot of people will, uh, mm. will understand and sympathize in exactly what it is I would have chosen to do differently had I known then what I know now. Interesting. Uh, for me, I'll, I'll mention my macOS Monterey course. You know, my Every year I come out with a big new course with the release of the new version of Mac OS. Um, it's kind of like, you know, in the old days, I, I would have written a book, you know, one of those yes. big books you would get at the computer section. <laughs> old now, technology. The, the old technology. <laughs> now I do a course every year. I update it. So the Monterey edition of my course is out and I have a whole, you know, 40% off uh, launch coupon and the link uh, in the show notes will take you to that coupon, which is good uh, to the end of next week. Awesome. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for another mm -hmm. week. Um, as always, the show notes are going to be out at tehpodcast.com slash teh145. If you've got a comment or a question, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast, or as always, you can leave a comment on that show notes page. I think we're planning on being here again next week. Uh, until yep. then, take care. Bye.